Okay, thanks very much. Yes, I, I, I talked about how, in public at least, how I got started on this, and I think it might be worth um, doing so, both as an illustration, well, particularly as an illustration that you really can make a difference, because my very first campaign was probably my most successful one ever, actually. And that, <clears throat> that came when, in September 2002, Derek Roberts, who was then caretaker, Provost at UCL. In the, I say caretaker because we've thrown out the previous provost. We're a rather democratic place, and we've thrown out Christopher Sloan Smith, who wasn't altogether scratch. And Derek Roberts came back for a year. And Richard Sykes, who was rector of Imperial College, and between them, the caretaker provost hatched a plan for giving UCL away. That was a bit much. And everybody thought it was a bit much. And after about three days, when you've sunk the message has sunk in that they really actually were serious about this, and it seems to be ridiculous, but, but they, they think they were serious. So I thought, what do you do these days? You start a website, and my God, it's embarrassing. If you want dcscience.net, there's a link at the bottom, because most of it still exists, at least in its final form. And we use sort of three strategies to oppose this uh, fairly mad idea. One of them was to um, collect signatures and uh, celebrities and so on like that. Uh, there's one, um, the one just below the thing. There's a, actually an ex-postdoc of mine who got rather big in Stanford administration and pointed out rather pertinently that when they tried to merge Berkeley and uh, and uh, UCSF, it had been a complete failure and they spent a large fortune undoing it again. So we got lots of, of, of big names which was sort of quite fun, trying to get people like this, Jonathan Dimbleby, Danny Jacobson, Andrew Huxley, Fields Medalist, High Court Judge. High Court Judge was lovely. He didn't do email, he was a, but, but, but he had a clerk who knew how to do that sort of stuff. <laughs> Jonathan Miller and so on. That was good. Now, as you can see, the HTML was horrible on that page. The background cover alone was pretty, pretty puky. But, but um, there was a, a, a research student in his 50s, actually, in, in uh, Hebrew studies, who had a much classier website than I had. He obviously knew what he was doing, because this looked pretty stylish even in 1992. He was also a lot wittier than mine. Um, that was his Dalek recording of Richard Sykes saying, you will be assimilated. Uh, the called Ask Jeremy, that's Jeremy Bentham, of course, whose mummified remains sit in the box in UCL's cloisters, but he would he'd come back as an agony on to David Conway. He received, Jeremy he received the following mysterious message from Del Boy of UCL. Del Boy, of course, was Derek Roberts in, uh, implicitly, but not explicitly. Watch it, Derry Boy. Everyone else is against me, and I don't need any aggro from you. I'll just you're just asking to be permanently locked up in that box of yours. And, and uh, David replies in perfect sort of Benthamite prose, if you've ever read him, I guess it's a bit old now. It's my habit and recreation to consider over the years the criminal antisocial character, your bearing language and general behavior, as instanced in your communication, induced me to consider that it were better for society if you were maintained under observation in a panopticon. That was his prison design. 
and allowed to follow whatever pursuits or duties it may be that you undertake in university college. Your threats I treat with contempt, and I advise you, I advise the same course to anyone else whom you try to employ them. This is a PhD student talking to the provost of the college, and he was brilliant. And he got away with it. In fact, we, we won. He also had this on his website. Goodbye magazine, a souvenir page from page of the last, first and last edition. Newlyweds Derek and Richard Sykes let us into their lovely self-designed ivory tower. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Very funny. But um, actually, neither the jokes nor the celebrities was the thing that clinched it, I think. What clinched it was a sort of WikiLeaks activity. Uh, the system was, we were told, that people in, say, the maths department, they used to go meet at an imperial and they'd try to work out some, some system and they'd make a report and that would go to a committee which would consider it and synthesize it with other reports. They said it'll all be very transparent after the third committee uh, level will publish all the findings. But, but what happened was that the people who were having the first level meetings would immediately send me their report and I'd put it up on the web. And I was told at one stage that the senior management team had to log on to my site first thing in the morning, which was on the UCL server for Derek Credit, um, to find out what had happened the day before. And the real killer came after a, a few weeks of this. The when Richard Sykes held a, um, a meeting of the Imperial Senate, which is quite a small body, only about 40 people, unlike the UCL Academic Board, and uh, he told them, yes, well, I know uh, I said there wouldn't be redundancies. Of course, there will, but don't worry, they won't be from Imperial. And somebody who was at there emailed his department to convey this message. Within milliseconds, two separate people had forwarded this email to me, and 10 minutes later, it was public knowledge. Next day, it fell through, simply because what this guy had actually said became known, and quite right, too. And uh, I suddenly thought, you know, this is a, really a, a tool that gives you real power. It was, um, and I should have got hooked, because, you know, having spent my life um, trying to invert the matrix Laplace transforms to figure out single ion channels, it was actually quite nice to do something that the rest of the world cared about rather than, than, uh, than uh, something so quite so esoteric. Uh, and, and it was interesting because the write-ups in the press were, on the whole, quite flattering. And what was especially nice was that not just the, the Guardian, but the Financial Times and Bloomberg News. Unfortunately for Sykes, the professors at Imperial and University College London were smarter than the last recipients of his strategic wisdom, the shareholders in the formerly independent drug companies, Glaxo, Wellcome, and Smith, Klein, Beacham. I mean, that's alluding to the fact, which is absolutely true, that Richard Sykes, who has somewhat, somewhat messianic ideas about drug development, he put all his eggs in one basket, which I thought at the time was foolish, was essentially pushed out of Glaxo, Smith, Klein, because he was on the brink of ruining it. So he goes to run a university. And actually, Derek Roberts, had been at GEC in charge of a whole string of failures from Blue Streak to Airborne Radar. So he was pushed out of GEC and came to run a university. I mean, it really is that time we stopped taking cast off. They failed in some other job. And uh, 
the same sort of thing occurred in the Financial Times. The same empty phrases that were used in the 1990s to justify corporate mergers are today used to justify university mergers. The aspiration to be a, quote, global player needed to achieve critical mass but greater size is always the aspiration of those who have no better strategic vision. I love that one. And these are financial people. Okay, so after that, which really went amazing as well, uh, it, it became a lot more uphill, I must say. Uh, but I started, uh, actually, they weren't proper blogs. They had no, no comment section. They were just huge and eventually vastly oversized web pages that I was still trying to run the Welcome Lab for Molecular Pharmacology at that time, so it was a, a bit of a strain. I actually had three different ones. I had one for sort of education and religion, one for politics, which chronicled the whole Blair era. In fact, that title slide was um, UCL's front quad on the day of the second huge anti-Iraq march in that beautiful territory, since destroyed by builders, by the way. Um, and you know, one can be worried about the delusions of homeopaths or vice chancellors, but they nothing like the delusions of them imagining that there are weapons of mass destruction are present when they're not. That's a really important delusion. So uh, I, I got a, I kept it the politics webpage. Well, in fact, I stopped it the day Blair retired. Unfortunately, not much has changed since. Not as, uh, not as much as, um, as one would wish. Um, but the, the quackery came to be a bit predominant, I suppose. And it's amazing how much that you find as soon as you start to look around. And one of them caused a bit of a crisis. That was the new Vitality webpage, which is advertising red clover uh, for um, menopausal symptoms. And it works because it's a blood cleanser or a lymphatic system, cleanser of the lymphatic system. So I said, not unreasonably, that these phrases were pure gobbledygook. Actually, a bit later, I wrote to Michael Quinian, who writes the wonderful World Wide Word site, who works for the Oxford Dictionary. It's a bit like a Susie Dent in Countdown, if you watch it, which I occasionally see it because my wife's an addict. <laughs> and um, he traced, he, he actually went into the term. Uh, blood cleanser. You can find it on bcscience.net if you think. It is, of course, pure gobbledygook. But the people who are running this herbal business, a man and a woman running it from their front room, actually. They said she was in the Department of Nutrition at Reading University, but it turned out to be 0.1 full-time equivalent. Actually, I'm, a, I'm now 0.1 full-time equivalent of research assistant at UCL, is my official... <laughs> <laughs> UCL post, that's because all the grant money ran out, and that's another story which I'll uh, <coughs> maybe even touch on, actually. Anyway, they started, th these two herbalists started writing legal threats, threatening letters, they got threatening letters from lawyers to UCL, but not to the provost himself and the vice provost and even to the chair of council at that time, Lord Wolfe. Um, and they were wasting quite a lot of time. So one of these, one day, after defending this and handing over all the email correspondence under freedom of information and so on, um, 
I had a phone call from the provost. Getting phone calls from very important people is a very ominous sign because it means they don't want it in writing. Uh, and he said, uh, this is wasting a terrible amount of time. Would I mind removing this web page about quackery from the UCL server? So uh, one always must keep the high moral high ground in these things. And I said, oh, yes, certainly, Paul. If that's what you wish. And uh, he then said, there's just one thing. It would look better if you said you'd volunteered to remove it rather than I'd asked you to remove it. So I said, yes, Thomas, just one thing, though, as he said. That's not true, is it? Long pause as this was a slightly foreign concept sinks into the mind of the lawyer. And so I just put up a very simple notice saying I have been asked to remove just the literal truth. And the effect was quite outside my uh, expectation. I, mean, I didn't have uh, a particularly big readership then, but I must have had more fans than I realized. Because the provost was bombarded with letters from all over the world saying um, that my site was the best thing that UCL did. Something of an exaggeration, Some, something of an exaggeration of course, <laughs> but, but, but very nice in the circumstances. And... I think the real turning point was when Goldacre wrote his column about me two weeks running. One of them slagging off UCL, that really upset me. I'm not going to cross about that. So I, I was sort of acting uh, pseudo-helpful during all this, while, well, of course, laughing, laughing my, my guts out and internally and saying, oh, it's terrible for you. Such a waste of your time. You must agree on something. And uh, the result was that he took me to, to for an hour's talk to a Defamation QC, it must have bet that cost him a thousand quid. He was a sort of fat Billy Bunter like character. All the advice he gave me was to try to write more like Private Eye because they haven't been sued recently. I thought it was a bit pretty pathetic, thousand pounds worth of them. So, yeah, uh, and I got invited back. By that time, I'd moved and I didn't go back. But by God, it, 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 it increased the traffic on the, the new site. By, a factor of 10 or so, all the publicity it got. It actually pays for something like this to happen in terms of, of readership. And it's only after um, this slide is in the wrong order. Well, it would be. It's only after these things have happened that they get into the newspapers. I mean, the blogs on the whole are now leading the news in, in lots of areas, not in Orleans, of course. And the newspapers come along and copy it afterwards. And it's jolly valuable that they do, because uh, they get they, a different audience from the one that the blog will do. So th this is actually not about the, uh, the Red Clover story. This is a, a later story, which I'll now come to. Um, so I, I got, well, when I noticed that universities were give, some universities were giving degrees in Red Cloverology, herbal medicine, and, and, and even worse, things like homeopathy. Uh, I, I got a little upset and wrote a, a commentary thing in Nature about it, which got some notice, and that, that was in 2007. And since then, quite a lot of them have actually shut. In the University of Central Lancashire, their entire four sorts of quackery uh, courses they had, they cut the whole lot. Um, Napier University, Edinburgh, they now call it Edinburgh Napier University, and I hope it's been mistaken for Edinburgh University, of course. 
um, has stopped its herbalism, but it still has reflexology and and um, aromatherapy. BSC, right? So there's a BA in, in aromatherapy there, but that doesn't really make any difference. Uh, Ken Valley homeopathy is gone, and uh, Westminster, Uni University of Westminster, our close neighbour, is is um, by far the worst offender in this area, but at least it shuts down the homeopathy degree. Now, my friend Steve Jones says he never get into de direct discussion with creationists because it's just a waste of breath. And likewise, I'm not very keen on talking directly to homeopaths or herbalists because all it does is generate heat and, and, and no light by and large. In any case, some of them, some of the homeopaths I, I have met, and now if, if I was forced into one company, I'll talk amiably as long as I can. Uh, and they, they tend, the ones I've met, tend to be rather nice, totally, completely mad, but, but rather nice people. And I don't think there's fun out of nailing them. You can't expect them to thank people like me and Michael Marshall, because that's how they're earning their living down there. There's nothing more unpleasant than having someone remove your source of income and actually feel quite guilty when they think about it. But I, I don't really give a damn about the staff who are teaching these courses, except that they're actually a danger to public health. The people who are responsible for it are the people who run the universities. They're the vice chancellors. They're the ones who bear all of the responsibility, and they're, they're the ones I'm interested in getting at. That, that's the head of Westminster. He's supposed to be interested in hydrology and geomorphology. So I asked, I did write to him and asked if it didn't upset him as a geologist to know that students in his university were being taught that amethysts emit high yin energy. It's one of the first slides I got, actually, from there. Um, of course, he didn't reply. What could he say? <laughs> it's not really surprising, I suppose, they didn't reply because they can say, whether they say yes or they say no, they're hung either way. There's really, of course, what the truth is they shouldn't be doing that. Um, Driscoll Middlesex University, they run Ayurveda herbalism, prepossessing character. One I've been working on recently is Edinburgh Napier University. Um, look at that list of initials she's got. Stands out longer than mine. Professor Dane Jones Stringer, DBE, BA, on Cert Ed, PhD, uh, FRSE, that's Fellow of the Royal Society of Edinburgh. Um, well, I started taking them a while ago. I'd, I'd won, as we'll see in a minute, a Freedom of Information Act uh, uh, judgment in England, but the same that they have a separate law in Scotland. Those Scottish ones are a lot quicker and came to much the same conclusions. And they sent me a lot of stuff about herbalism. And lo and behold, as, as it came out, the, um, they cut their degree in herbalism, but they've still got aromatherapy and reflexology. So I've written uh, twice now, actually, in the polite terms I can, to Professor Dane Jones Stringer, blah, 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 asking what she thinks, for example, of these three principles of homeodynamics that reflexologists are taught. Resonancy related to helicy refers to the tendency of energy living processes to move from low frequency, long wave pat 
and the Sahasi think he's shortwave. But it is, it's, it's completely gobbledygook. It means absolutely nothing. But of course, she hasn't answered either. Still worse case, I think, is the University of Wales. The University of Wales is a sort of umbrella organization that doesn't run degrees itself. It just validates degrees. It has a huge industry in validating degrees. It makes millions a year out of it. Their provost is an electrical engineer. Um, one of the things they validated that I did go into a bit was a course in nutritional therapy. If you see therapy or medicine attached to the word nutrition, it almost always means quackery. Um, it's read by Jacqueline Young. So I looked up Jacqueline Young. It takes 10 minutes in Google to find it. Literature goes back to 2005, Ben wrote about it. We are pondering the ethics and wisdom of Jacqueline Young, dishing out preposterous, made-up pseudoscientific nonsense as if it were authoritative BBC fact, with phrases such as, quote, implosion researchers have found that if water is put through a spiral, its electrical field changes, and it then appears to have a potent restorative effect on cells. So I wrote to the vice chancellor and said, as an electrical engineer, what do you think of this? No reply. What he did do, though, was to promote the man who had accredited this course to be pro-vice-chancellor for learning, teaching, and enhancement after he'd been made aware of this. This year, this year, Jacqueline Young was promoted to be a senior lecturer in the university. Rather than a sort of member of some external institute, and this rather came to a head when Welsh television made a program about the phony accreditations that are going on in Wales. You can find it on YouTube, a, sh a short bit, but it's, it's a very good program. And Clements said that he was unaware of any criticism. Of this. this is this year. He was unaware of any criticism of these things, and was shocked that the Minister of Education in Wales had, had, been, uh, had made critical remarks about it. That was a straight lie. It's 2008 when these things were pointed out. He cannot possibly have not noticed. You know, it really upsets me when respectable men in black suits tell straight lies. And it's, it's, it's really rather common, unfortunately. And uh, Professor Clements is one of them. The, the, the biggest triumph I had in getting hold of... But my ploy with most quackery has been to try to get hold of the teaching materials and just show what nonsense the students are taught. The, and, and it just seemed to have worked. It's difficult to say when a, a course closes exactly why it closes. Of course, they never write to me and said, we did it because you embarrassed us. But, uh, I suspect that, uh, that is probably an element. Um, when I actually met the Vice-Chancellor of the University of Central Lancashire at, a, at an information tribunal, I said cheerily hello to him, but he just turned away. Pathetic bastard. <laughs> Um, so I wrote to them in, actually in August 2006, fairly on in this, to, to, to ask for the teaching materials. They sent me the validation documents, which were the usual um, volumes of bureaucracies with no precious little meaning, but they wouldn't send me the teaching materials. I asked for the internal review. They refused that, so I appealed to the information commissioner the Information Commissioner sat on it for over two years, but eventually 
came out entirely on my side and said that they must hand over the material. Danny Yusi Land did not hand over the material, but launched an appeal against the judgment of the Information Commissioner. By this time, the degree had closed that they were so desperate not to, for the public not to know what they had been teaching that even though the course had already closed, they uh, went to the expense of, of an appeal, taking it to an information tribunal. Yet another Freedom of Information revealed that they spent £82,000 of taxpayers' money on the barristers they need to pay for three days of an information tribunal. And I, I was asked by the Information Commissioner, because this was actually Information Commissioner versus Central Lancashire, but I was described as an additional party. <laughs> and I got to sit next to the barrister for the Information Commissioner. And I hadn't realized this is how they worked, but when she'd finished questioning him, the vice chancellor, the finance director, the deputy vice chancellor of the University of Central Lancashire, were summoned as witnesses rather than there in the dock. And when, when uh, the barrister had finished questioning them, I was asked if, if I wished to question them. And it, God, I never had so much fun in my life. <laughs> you know, I remember all those old Perry Mason movies. Excuse me, vice chancellor, that is not the question I asked. Would you mind answering the question? <laughs> Uh, no one hates him. Uh, and he lost entirely. The, the, um, the, the, the QC who was chairing this, the Information Commission, uh, wrote a, a pretty damning report about their case. And so eventually this pile of, uh, their entire, the entire documentation for their homeopathy degree turned up. And true enough, they were teaching wicked stuff. Look at this, male 52 presents with a current of uh, prostate carcinoma stage 3. Humor was six centimeters, and there were four ab abnormal lymph nodes. Prescription, toninum 200C daily. 200C is 10 to the minus 400. That, that's, you know, the bigger than the universe dilution. But to treat anyone that way, it, it, it would be quite illegal if it was an advertisement, public advertisement. This is private teaching material, and the trade and standards department has no control over that. Nobody has any. It's wicked and evil stuff. It's not harmless illusion. It's, it's, it's seriously bad. Okay, so in fact, by the time I got this stuff, not only had they shut down the homeopathy course, which they did at a fairly early stage, but they also had an internal review of all of their activities in this area, and that review had decided they shut down the whole lot. I thought it was going to be... Uh, I, I was cheered when they invited me to give evidence to it, and I got a very polite reception from them. And, and I, I was at pains to point out that I was not doing this because I was against post-1992 universities, which is where all of this goes on. I was doing this to defend post-1992 universities and stop them destroying their reputation as serious academic institutions by teaching dangerous rubbish. And, uh, the people who are on the review committee seem to accept that in good faith, and it's the, the absolute truth. And they shut all down. I'm not sure how much my contribution was to that, but I think I've made some difference. And the fact that anyone can now sit in front of the television at night, press a few keys, and the whole world can see what they have written is gives you a power which didn't exist at all uh, ten years ago, and it's 
become very difficult to speak secrets, and that's a damn good thing in my in my view. Okay, thank you very much.